Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome to the Cannon Cast, a weekly podcast from the Cannon, an Espionation blog about the Columbus Blue Jackets. I am William Chase, joined tonight by Pale Dragon. What's going on, PD? I'm doing all right, Will. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. And we're also joined by Elaine Shercliffe. How are you doing, Elaine? I'm good. How are you, Will? Doing pretty well. It's kind of chilly out. It's like 60 degrees. It feels like hockey weather outside it's almost. gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. <laughs> Dude, it's it's warmer in Ohio. Dude, in like Akron, it's like 72. Yeah, it's, it definitely feels chilly just after being in the 80s and stuff, you know, in the last few weeks and all that. But talking about the NHL, um, obviously we have the playoffs sometime around the corner this summer. So, Elaine, you had an interesting question that I thought was a good topic for this pod. So because of the NHL coming back and there won't be fans, obviously, due to the coronavirus, you were kind of putting it out there, you know, how will the NHL, how can the NHL be more fan-friendly without fans in attendance for the playoffs? PD, I'll go ahead and start with you. Kind of just curious maybe what your initial thoughts are. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a different kind of experience. Um, there was a good article at The Athletic that I was reading today talking about some things that they can possibly do. Um, you know, one idea was just to kind of black out the lighting on the stands so only the ice is illuminated. So it's kind of like a like a boxing match where you don't necessarily see the crowd behind them that's just like a stage. Um, the other thing that's going to be really interesting is what they do about crowd noise. Uh, apparently, Bundesliga broadcasts have been given the option recently of, you know, having, like, f- fan noise added in. And I gather that it's not so much, like, cheers and chants and things like that, but more just, like, ambient sound of a crowded thing which i think that would be useful in these broadcasts just because we're used to that kind of noise where if it was just silence aside from the you know the skates on the ice and the puck getting hit that would be really jarring so i think that would make it feel like a more natural thing but and beyond that i would like to see the broadcasters just experiment and try different kind of things that they wouldn't be able to do with fans in there you know maybe different kind of camera angles maybe more cameras like right up against the glass or maybe it's like drones flying over and around like that could be kind of interesting to see. Yeah. I'd, um, I think it'd be weird to have crowd noise (laughs) filtered in. I don't know. It would just seem, I think it'd be weird to hear knowing that there's no fans in there. I'd rather mic up 
a bunch of people, not all the players, <laughs> obviously, but like different players. And I would love to have like the backup goalie sitting there doing mm. more commentary. I mean, like obviously if they want to, it's not requirement. Um, but then I think about things that you could, teams have to think about their season ticket holders too. So what kind of access are they going to give them that everyone else doesn't have since it's all being um, on television? So do you have like special access just for um, season ticket holders where you have certain videos they can watch that only they can watch, um, certain view that they can watch that only they can watch, um, that kind of stuff. I think it, It'll be interesting to see what they do with it because there is so much that they can do, you know. Yeah, I think the, the thing about um, getting the players involved, uh, that's another great opportunity. Um, you know, maybe have some guys mic'd up during the games even. Um, you know, obviously I know there's concerns about some of the the language <laughs> that gets used normally on the ace that we don't hear because of all the crowd noise. Um, but obviously that's, you know, that's stuff that they could broadcast on a delay rather than live. But I think that would give us a way to a maybe, you know, seeing more of the players' personalities, which has always been a problem with the NHL. They don't, they don't do enough. And, the, you know, the players are kind of, they're discouraged by hockey culture from being unique in individuals. Um... And, and, you know, doing anything controversial. And uh, I think it would really help the NHL to grow the game if they they got they got rid of that and tried to encourage players to to be themselves and to show off their personalities. And that, and that showing off a personality is not a... That doesn't mean the player is me first. It doesn't mean he's not a good teammate. You know, that's just a very old way of thinking. So, uh, I mean, it would be... I mean, and, and, you know, we've seen a little bit of video packages the Jacks have put together showing behind-the-scenes stuff, which I've really enjoyed watching those, and this would be a great chance to do that. And and you see that some of these guys do have great personalities. You know, a guy like Nick Foligno or Cam Atkinson, or, you know, uh, you, you can tell just the way the players act around each other that they really get along, and I think there'd be some very entertaining footage if they, if they tapped into that. So I'd like to see a lot more of that. Yeah, I was kind of thinking about the whole pumping in crowd noise in general because i know they were talking about that with other sports and at first i was like eh, but then i was like yeah it's like you you probably would need to do something you know because the players are probably used to that in some way but also like you mentioned with the tv or you know hearing players cursing on the ice or whatever that's definitely gonna be picked up i would assume which i mean you can hear that sometimes now when there's a crowd and they're close up. You can hear it sometimes with the chirping. So I can only imagine without anybody. And, and from what, what I what they've been doing in Germany, it's not they're not piping in the noise in the stadium. So it's not necessarily something the players hear. It's just something that is added after the fact to the broadcast. And and I agree with you, Elaine, that if they if they were adding like cheers and things like that, it would feel artificial because you know there aren't actually people that are reacting to it. But that's the thing. If there's just that kind of hum to it. We, you wouldn't even really notice it because you're just used to that from broadcast, and it would be a less jarring experience turning it on and not hearing that. So I think that could be the advantage to it. Yeah, that is a good point. I think it would be cool, too. I mean, you think about it, there's going to be players that are scratched, right? So what can they do with them during the game that still allows them to watch the game? Because, you, I mean, you learn from watching. But I can just only imagine what it would be like to get like Nathan Gerby's mind on like color commentating. That that would be He's great. Talking. That would be really cool to see. Yeah, obviously right? they, because you, you wouldn't be distracting them from the game necessarily. Like I said, if it was talking like the backup goalie, like he's, 
you know, he needs to be more alert, more more into the game. But um, <laughs> right. yeah, these guys they have to be watching the game anyway. So yeah, you might as well tap into what they know. They can give give some insight into you know game prep, what was said in the locker room before the game or intermission. You know, obviously you wouldn't want them to give away team secrets, but they could give a little more insider right. insight, which I think would be really interesting. Uh, you know, these guys are used to watching the game from the the press box, but why not have them go ahead and sit in the lower bowl? Right. Or anywhere else, anywhere in the arena where they would want to sit, they can be sitting spread out. There's plenty of space. Um, you know, maybe they might find that a a new interesting way to watch the game. You know, sometimes I think the, um, you know, I usually sit my, my my seats that I get at games are in the lower bowl typically, but I like going to a game or two where I'm sitting from higher up just because I get a different angle on the game and that's kind of interesting. So I think that could benefit those guys as well. If they're used to watching from way up in the press box. They might prefer being down closer to the glass and getting that kind of angle on things. That would be interesting. That would be. And then also, I mean, think about, though, too, if you put cameras in certain spots um, and season ticket holders could then watch from the area that they're used to watching if they wanted to. Oh. Right? Like I, That's, that's <laughs> a really, really good idea. I would love that. Yeah. <laughs> like, it wouldn't be just from your seat. It would be from the area because you can't have that many it's just too much money to, to put that many cameras in the seats but you know having it be like this is from the bottom half of section 117 this is the top half and you could watch the game from kind of like the angle that you're used to watching the game why don't we do it like the like the nfl draft where there was that tv in roger goodell's basement and he had like the fans like cheering and booing <laughs> around each pick like just have some like monitors and speakers set up in the lower bowl that fans could like be heard during the game that would be (laughs) it's definitely an opportunity for the league to have uh, well for lack of a better phrasing it's definitely an opportunity for the league to kind of have fun with the situation and being able to experiment and obviously make the best of it but yeah it's definitely i'm just like really eager to see this happen or play out no matter the sport but especially in hockey in this case because it's like you know, you couldn't you couldn't really envision this kind of scenario obviously playing out, and now we're going to potentially most likely see that sooner than later. As far as no fans and random arenas hosting these games, and you know, we'll hopefully find out within the next week. I think the specific hub cities that will be announced. But yeah, can you imagine? Yeah, and 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 the NHL can can be trailblazers because mm-hmm. it looks like they might end up being the first of the four major North American leagues. <laughs> right. to get Especially started. not the MLB. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. So Elaine, you put this out there on the Canon Twitter account, but you're right. <laughs> yeah. We all, we all give a lot of crap to Gary Bettman, but there's no one worse than Rob Manfred right now. It's insane how bad baseball is bungling this whole thing. Yeah. So what I've, what I've thought about Rob Manfred for several years now is that it doesn't seem to me like he actually likes baseball. That's you know, the consensus. He's, <laughs> he's thrown out a lot of a lot of rule changes, and it's like these are changes that the game doesn't really need. Or he's like trying to change the game in a way to bring in casual fans, but it's not clear that those would work, and they would just alienate all of the current fans. And I, I have found myself over the last year, um, I have the MLB has really soured on me a lot. Um, just, I mean, the economic structure and the way that small market teams uh, have a real uphill battle to be able to compete and to be able to sustain competitive teams for years in ways that other teams like the Yankees are able to do based on their revenue and with no cap and all things like that. Uh, with the way that the, you know, the Astros were revealed to be cheating and the Red Sox too, and they got 
basically slaps on the wrist uh, from an organizational standpoint. Right. Um, and then now this this ugliness with the players, which I think the players are are being reasonable here. You know, they're willing to take mm-hmm. a prorated salary. That's fair. And the owners keep trying yeah. to nickel and dime them. And I understand the owners have less revenue this year, but look, they signed that new deal with Turner that's bringing in a lot of money. They might take a loss this year, but these are all wealthy people who should be able to. They can take a bat this year because they're going to make so much next year and the year after that. Um, so it seems like they're being really petty. And and honestly, uh, I'm I'm not missing Major League Baseball at this point. Yeah, that's I, I, the I thing. I missed the chance to go to a Clippers game, but in terms of watching the Indians on TV, it's just it, I, it's not as much a hole in my life as I thought it would be. Yeah. I, uh, I've actually missed the game more when I'm actually playing either MLB The Show or watching like an old YouTube clip. Otherwise, like I, I've been keeping busy with other things. I'm, I'm looking forward to hockey. I've been busy with, you know, these podcasts, work, everything else. So it's like, yeah, it's like unless I'm actually actively involved in something baseball related, I'm like, okay, I've gone along three months without it. What's another, you know, hopefully not the rest of the season. But at this point, it looks that way. And I got to say it real fast. I heard a funny bit on the radio the other night. Uh, the baseball, it's kind of like the owners are kind of saying, hey, players, how about 100 pennies? And they're like, no, we want this. And it's like, all right, we got you. How about 10, these 50, these 100 dimes or whatever? Instead, it's like, no, we want we wanted these 100 pennies. All right, how about uh, 50 nickels? And it's like, no, like we wanted this. We don't want this, but... Yeah, they keep finding new ways to say that they want to give <laughs> the same thing. 60% yeah. of the salaries. Like, no, <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah. So and it, and I'm glad to see the, the players' union fighting them on that. And I, and I think it's... It smells like there's going to be another uh, strike or lockout here coming very soon. Yeah. There's so much animus now between the yeah the owner, owners and the players. Right, and that's why they that's why they need to work on this now and get the season in because at the end of the 2021 season, that's when it expires. So they could go into another stoppage, and how can you recover from two stoppages in three years? How are you going to bring people back in? You know, they got lucky with Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa not long after um, the one stoppage, you know, and there's not really many And, and, that, and that still didn't bring everyone back. Right. You know, that 94, there, there's still people sour about that. But yeah, that's that, that. it's only going to serve to hurt the game. So to bring it back to hockey, though. It just um, makes Gary Bettman kind of, look good because he's working with them. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, a little bit the, better. Yeah. yeah, the NHL and the Players Association seem to have been getting along really, really well in terms of negotiating. Now, it sounds like there's still some hurdles to get through that they haven't uh, really solved yet. So, I mean, like the players agreed to the format for return to play, but they're still not fully signed off on actually pulling the trigger on that. So the NHL is just kind of moving towards that, getting the specifics lined out, but the players still have to say yes to that. Right. And some guys, you know, guys that maybe have pre-existing health issues or, you know, they don't want to be away from their families for three months, you know, like these are valid concerns and they're going to have to figure out how to, how to address that. But I feel like they're at least willing to work together better than some of these other leagues have at the moment, which is not something that I thought I would see a few (laughs) years ago. And, And based on the fact too, that, you know, last summer, um, both sides had the option to, end the CBA early, and neither side exercised that right. So it's going to run through until the summer of 2022, I believe. And I gather that they already have been working towards what the next CBA will be. And so even as they're negotiating the return to play, 
these CBA issues are still on there. And obviously, with the lack of revenue, that's going to affect what the cap is going to be for the next couple of years. And so they're going to want the next CBA to probably reflect you know, and fix ref- reflect, that. Reflect that and, and maybe you know some concessions now for sustainability that then can be made up at a later point. But they're at least at the table, which honestly, when, when the players brought in Don Fair to be their um, the head of their union, um, you know, he was head of the baseball players union in 94 when they had that strike. So I thought, oh my gosh, they're going to bring him in. He's, right. he's going like, to go, he's going to go scorched <laughs> earth on this, but it seems like so far that he and Bettman have been able to uh, stay on good terms and just make progress together, which is, you know, as a fan, it's nice to not have that cloud looming over like we had for a while. Right. And with, it is nice that they have it um, kind of set up with all the phases because once the players agree to pull the trigger, they can just hop right in. They don't have to do any sort of planning. Um, I can see some of the issues with the players, especially with family, because the amount of people who end up getting married in the summer or have babies in the summer, imagine being away from your pregnant wife. And it's different if you're on the road and you can leave, but you, you can't leave because you're you're going to have to be quarantined before you can even leave. So the, I think the thought of leaving either kids who have illnesses for a long time, family members who have illnesses, and then pregnant wives, I think that's just... I think it's hard for players to um, wrap their head around. And as we know, the NHL is... Um, especially like the jackets, I know a lot of them are very family oriented. Mm-hmm, it's all about family. Well, yeah, think about it, how many of their families come in all the time to the games from across the world, not just the, the continent, but like the world because family's important. So having that, I hope they have uh, like sports psychologists or therapists that are in there in that bubble because some of these players have not really been away from their families for a long period of time and they are their support system and there's a difference between being on the phone with them and seeing them face to face. So I hope that's something that they've thought about. Yeah, so hopefully, you know, if there's any silver lining, it's that, you know, they've had the last three months with their family, which they didn't expect, um, you know, but and but that's st- I know it doesn't it doesn't completely make up for it. It's still going to be hard to be away for that amount of time. And yeah, if you think about, you know, Felino and the health issues that his kids have had or uh, like Nathan Gerby with, you know, with his wife being pregnant and with his father having right. the, the and health issues. Dad. And, you know, um, yeah, so those guys, it's going to be a hard decision because you know that they love the game. You know that they love to compete. You know they're not going to want to miss out on this opportunity to compete for a cup. Um, and, you know, these guys want to be there for their teammates. But yeah, to what extent are they willing to sacrifice that family time and, and be separated like that that's it's a tough call right and how is amy jones gonna handle this like she's used to seeing her children play in person well, she's how are TV. we supposed to deny her <laughs> <laughs> well doesn't she does isn't she from la though i feel like so, so there's a bit of a long distance either way i guess I think she's well, been right. based, based like, out of dallas yeah, yeah, saying. yeah but yeah so yeah. And yeah it's not like she'll be able to get to either of the hub cities anyway so she'll just watch and cheer from afar so uh, but yeah, we'll have to ask her when we have her at some point soon. Absolutely. But yeah, <laughs> I was just gonna say I was I, I've also been thinking about you know talk about the uh, health conditions and you think about older coaches, just people in general that might have uh, maybe a compromised immune system or something, and it's like yeah, I wonder. 
I mean, someone's going to get the, the virus, like Zeke Elliott with the Cowboys apparently got it. You know, it's going to happen. But I think I think for the most part, we have a good handle now. But still, people that are maybe at higher risk, it's just you don't know how it might affect that person versus... Right. Well, I, you know, I think that it seems like people in their in their 20s can, can get the virus, but those who are in better shape are maybe not as affected by it. So there's maybe not that huge threat to to the players, but of course we still don't know what the long-term effects could be. But, uh, but, but obviously we can clearly see how hard this virus has affected uh, elderly people. So anyone from, you know, age 50 and above. Um, Which is so all like management. A lot of the management, coaches, support staff. So that, that's going to be, that's going to be a big concern. Yeah, some, some older coaches, you know, it, if it wouldn't be safe for them to be on the bench and that that'll be that'll be very weird uh and that's and that that could be a a tripping point here but we're still farther along than the mlb and i never thought i'd say that (laughs) (laughs) or yeah and maybe even the nba because they're having a spike in florida and they have other issues that they're kind of working through so yeah maybe the nhl will be the first one back who knows today's episode is brought to you by cars.com With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, I'm Neil Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. So across the SB Nation platform this week, the theme is video games. And we I actually put out a post uh, about a month or so ago along the video game topic. But I was curious, Elaine, um, I hear that you have a mean Mario Kart. I do. I've beat. I've beat you before. I, I was trying to remember if we played. I know I have it. <laughs> I don't. Oh, I think you I did. did. Oh, you know what? That reminds me. Well, I lost. I lost when you gave me the crappy controller. <laughs> crappy controller. I can't even remember. All I remember is ever since. I think, I think all I remember is ever since then, I have not been able to get it online, although I haven't tried in a while. But it wouldn't go online and play anymore. I don't know what happened, so I have to figure that because out. Because it only, it only wants me I guess. to play it. Yeah, I, I, so I have, a, I have the Wii U, and I have a steering wheel, and I have just a regular you know remote for the Wii. And so... Um, I can't remember what you played on. I don't remember if it was the wheel or what, but the wheel is kind of difficult. But um, Yeah, the wheel was the first one you gave me, and I was like, what is this? Oh, and then I have the gamepad thing as well. So I haven't played that game in a while. I, I, for, I, for, 
I first played Mario Kart on the N64, so as far as I'm concerned, that's the, <laughs> right. that's the true version of that game. <laughs> and actually, and, uh, I know that um, 16-bit on, uh, on 4th Street there, uh, at least at one point they had an N64 hooked up and you could play Mario Kart there while having uh, some drinks, and that's a, that's a good time. I need time, to come so. down. The first time I ever <laughs> played it was in uh, Walmart. <laughs> and they oh. had it when you could test the games out. I yeah. didn't really ever have game, like, I our house was not like a video game house. Um, I had a Game Gear, which is... <laughs> not a GameCube. Like, no, it's like, um, it was like a, a Game Boy, handheld, but it was yeah. Sega's handheld, and it was big. You couldn't put it in your pocket at all. Um, it didn't fit in your fanny pack. I tried. This is how old I am. <laughs> I played. we didn't uh, have those kind of things, so we always went to Walmart and Target, and I would be standing in that line and then I'd play for like an hour and I'd be like, stop it. My parents deprived me. Let me play. <laughs> I played the way I played Mario Kart on the 64 as well. We were, I remember back in Ohio when we were still living there, my parents were like at the dealership, they were getting a new car and we would keep going back there to do whatever, you know, they were test driving or whatever. And they had a game center for kids. So I was playing Mario Kart on like the 64 all the time. So I played it on the 64 a lot as well. But, uh, yeah, I think I saw, I was, where- I was, I was, I was- I was playing it on that in college, even though this was well after the heyday of the 64, but a, <laughs> just, a roommate had it and brought it up, and so, yeah, spent a lot of time. I love well, the original old school systems. Yeah, the, the classics were good. They're so much better. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. You know, it's funny. Uh, so I, I randomly, I, I used to buy the sports games, like EA Sports, all the time, but then I started mm-hmm. getting tired of the same thing every year, but... Uh, I was kind of thinking about getting NHL 20 because I think it's like 17 bucks now on the PlayStation Store, and I haven't played it since 15. So I'm like, well, it's been a long time, and it's not as expensive. Yeah, now. there's usually enough changes in game at that point. Yeah, I, it, I have, I've gotten out of gaming. Uh, I think the uh, the EA NHL games for the Sega Genesis. That's what I grew up on, and that's like the platonic ideal of sports video games for me. Like, <laughs> yeah. Because, like, the controls were so... Easy. Kind of simple and straightforward. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, like, I remember having an NHL game for my PC in the late 90s. Oh, yeah, and same. Then, and then there was, you know, some other... Like, playing it on someone's house on, like, a PlayStation, and it's like, oh, you press this button to do this kind of shot, and this button to do this kind of shot, and this kind of pass, and it's like, I can't... I don't... Yeah. I'm a casual gamer, I don't remember those things. So, like, this button shoots... This yeah. button passes. You use the D-pad to control everything else. It was perfect. Then, of course, there was that move in on the Sega Genesis where you would just, like, come up one side and then cut across in front of the net and shoot, and it would, like, be a goal every time. It was perfect. <laughs> Lo- loved those games. I would love if there was some kind of... Maybe if they made, like, a mobile emulator of that game, oh, yeah. like, updated rosters. So kind of like what they did with the RBI baseball mm. that they have for phones now, mm-hmm. which has the same controls as the ba- original Nintendo game, oh, nice. but, like, the current stadiums and uniforms and players and everything, it's, oh, it's so much fun. It's yeah. simple, but simple is, good. like, arcade controls with modern graphics. It's the perfect right. combination. Like, if it's easier for me to drive a stick shift car than it is to play the game, I don't want to play it. <laughs> I don't want to play it. I don't come here to use my brain. I have come here to just have fun. <laughs> when the NHL had the, uh, the the team Twitter accounts were playing like the games were, like back in what March and April, I feel like they could incorporate that somehow again, maybe around the playoffs, just to kind of keep fans engaged. I mean, because we're not going to be able to go to games, but they'll be watching them on TV. I would assume. Obviously, that should be happening and. You know, just anything that they can do to kind of interact fans with, I don't know, whether the players or teams either indirectly or, I don't know, what if, like, uh, players that were scratched, like, I don't know, what if there was some, 
some way you could connect players to the you know fans in some way. Have them play games on their off days or something with fans. You know, I'm sure some some guys would be on board for that. Well, I was thinking like so Nasher and a few of those like fans who now work for the NHL um, doing those competitions with the NHL 20. They could take games from the day before, the game before, and then show how they would map out that play in in the game. You know, that could be like a cool thing in intermission. Because um, what are you going to do for intermission breaks? A lot of that is dependent upon a lot of things that you won't really be able to do. So, I mean, it would be kind of cool to see how they break down the plays on the game. Sure. That's exactly what they used to do on, uh, what was that show? And if, it was one of those ESPN NFL shows back in like the mid 2000s when it was like Ron Jarowski and all yeah. that Merrill Hodge. They would, they that's would use Madden. The <laughs> they would use Madden to like showcase that. That's what they should do. Use NHL 20 or whatever game. Obviously yeah. be an NHL, NHL 20. Yeah. Utilize the game. Exactly. That's what I was just thinking about when you mentioned that. Because then it translates. I mean, that's where I got the idea. That's where. I got the idea from was from that um, because then you bring in a whole new um, genre of fan, even more so fans that might not watch the game, but will play the game, like play the actual people, people, um, that, people that are esports game. fans. Yeah. You can maybe yeah, bring e-sports. them into the real game. Right. So yeah. to combine oh. that, then you create a whole new fan base and you're and they could, happy again. And they can really utilize things like Twitch. Like I know my friends who do streaming all the time. That's gotten popular. I don't know if Twitch has always been. I mean, like I just really started hearing about it in the last year. Now I know exactly what it is. Radio shows that I listen to utilize Twitch, which is cool to interact with the radio hosts. So they could really, you know, utilize this time to just break out and be different and see what they might come out, you know. Yeah, Use it seems like that like video gamers were early adopters of Twitch, but then, and there's a hockey connection because the NWHL broadcasts a lot yes. of their games on Twitch, which I think was a really great way to to get exposure because here it's this you know free platform. A lot of people are consuming stuff online anyway rather than through cable, so you know that's a great way to grow a you know a, a newish league and, and try to expand that fan base. Yeah, they did cool. I mean, they're gonna have all this time if they're in a bubble this off time where you can only work out so many times and a lot of people would either go golfing or they would do all this stuff that they can't do because oh. they're in this bubble. They could just have all these tournaments that fans could you know what? in. Bring back, bring back the bubble hockey. You know those bubble yes. hockey? Uh, yes. Bring that back. The bubble hockey. It's like, oh, I wish I had one of those. I have an air hockey table over there, which is awesome, but the bubble hockey would be cool too. That would be sweet. I remember when Nationwide had those, like right near the the do they not uh, have McConnell entrance there? I th- I think that they moved them over to like okay. There's like a kids play area back in one of the corners now that I think some of them are still there. But I haven't been in like uh, five like, years, so I don't. I haven't been there yeah, in six years. For, I haven't been there since '04, and I can't remember if um, what's that Caps Arena called now? Not Verizon Center, but whatever they call it now, Capital One Arena. I don't know if they have that or not. I don't really remember. It'll always be the MCI Center to me because that's what oh. it was when I was in college. <laughs> that's really going back. That's the MCI Center is basically <laughs> like the Eagle logo. That's that time that I think of. Uh, yeah, yeah. I forget that it's yeah, man. Well, that's gonna do it for us this week. Be sure to tune in next week when we have another special guest that's gonna join us. Our theme music is the song Green Eyes by Angela Pearly and Howlin' Moons off of their album Homemade Vision. Angela's newest album is called 430, and you should definitely go check it out. Check her out at AngelaPearly.com. 
And you should also check out Angela Pearly on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube for videos and live stream concerts from her home during the stay-at-home period. Rate us and leave us a review on iTunes. And as always, we welcome your comments and questions. You can tweet at us at cbjcannon and comment on jacketscannon.com. From all of us at the Canon, thank you for listening, and we will see you next week. Yeah.